Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. Hi, this is Russell Glasser, host of The Atheist Experience. You know, The Atheist Experience is made possible by volunteers and the generous support of viewers like you. If the promotion of positive atheist culture and separation of church and state are values that you hold, please consider contributing by becoming an ACA member or visiting our product page at EvolveFish.com under the Partner tab. Thank you. John? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Um, today is Sunday, September 13th, 2015, and we're a live internet show based in Austin, Texas, dedicated to positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We're live streaming on Ustream and YouTube and the official Atheist Experience website at www.atheist-experience.com. Show feedback, comments, and criticisms can be posted at the open show thread for this episode located at freethoughtblogs.com forward slash AXP. Or you can email us at tv at atheist-community.org. If you enjoy the show, please check out ACA's related live podcast, The Nonprofits, the first and third Wednesdays of every month. You can find links at the Atheist Experience website. Feel free to join us for dinner after the show at 6 p.m. at Threadgill's North location on 6416 North Lamar. Uh, also, just to note in special announcements, the Bat Cruise is coming up this month on September 26, 2015. So that's just a couple weeks to yeah. left to get your tickets. Uh, Hina Databoy will be this year's pre-cruise speaker. Tickets are required to attend the cruise, and the lecture price is included in the cost of your cruise ticket. If you want to attend only the lecture, it's open to the public for a nominal fee at the door. Information and cruise tickets are available at the Atheist Community of Austin website, and tickets can be purchased on the products page. Since we're no longer in the public, uh, the public access studios, you can call into the show via Skype now. The show Skype handle is The Atheist Experience, all one word. Submit a text message um, to that handle on Skype, and if we can take your call on the air, we'll say your name, and then after a slight delay, our screeners will call you. So the process is a little different than it was when we were in the public access studios. And I understand that the today we don't have any kind of a special topic to, to discuss. No. So we're just looking at... Uh, callers, and so in the meantime, it looks like we're going to be waiting to connect with, I'm going to say, Josu Sanchez, and I may be mispronouncing that name. I've never seen that spelling before. Mm. So we'll wait until the screeners let us know that that call is uh, queued up and ready to go. In the meantime, I've been seeing nothing but Kim Davis. Yeah. She's pretty much been um, 
my Facebook page priority, I think. And uh, that was a little bit of a, a crazy train ride. Yeah. Uh, it's been a lot of drama. Yeah, I find it's really interesting how dishonest that um, the conservative Christians are when it comes to legal issues like these. You know what I mean? Because they'll talk about, like, for example, she was talking very much about how, uh, you know, this was an issue of her conscience. And yet the more we got into it, the more we began to see that she was actually pressuring her uh, her workers, the people that were subject to her in her office, to um, not issue these licenses. And then the claim was, well, my name is on the license. But when you really look at the history of this issue of gay marriage and the religious opposition, this isn't just about personal um, conscience. I mean, Proposition 8 in California was not about personal conscience, right? I mean, if it boils down to my personal conscience requires me to do everything that I can, including use the law to keep other people from exercising their rights, what you're talking about is just implementing your religious like restrictions and requirements onto people using the law and that's that's not okay you know you're you're free to not get gay married and if you can get a religious exception to not participate in anything that um you know brings about a gay marriage that's one thing but like when you're baking a cake that's not a gay cake it's just a cake <laughs> so you bake the cake you sell it to a patron you don't have to worry about what they're going to do with it as long as they're not you know poisoning someone with it it's not a problem for you you just you, all you did was bake a cake uh, and when it comes to the idea of someone else getting married, it's not your religious requirement to go out and try to create a proposition in order to stop someone from exercising rights that are guaranteed to them under the Constitution. And I don't think the idea that this was finally challenged and somebody finally brought it forward to a point where you know, we had to examine this issue doesn't mean that you created uh, some sort of legislation from the bench. It just means that you understood that now that this is being requested, we're looking at it and we're saying, you know, there is no reason to deny this right to people. If we're going to uh, allow something under the law, we do have the concept of equity under the law according to the 14th Amendment. And that's, you can't just arbitrarily penalize one group um, or another to to say, hey, X group gets these rights and this other group we're going to say doesn't get these rights, you know, just arbitrarily. You can apply that when there is a reasonable uh, argument or for a burden upon the state, for example, or a problem that's going to be caused socially that would be so huge that, yes, we, we're going to have a problem here and so we need to restrict this. So, for example, we don't allow six-year-olds to drive automobiles and that's a reasonable restriction on age. But when it comes to something like getting married, there really was no undue burden on the state to just issue a, uh, you know, a gender-neutral license. Um, it's a very simple thing. So there was no, no real argument against it. And the, the fact that they've worked so hard to strip people of that right and to make sure nobody gets to exercise that right, uh, much like they do with women's reproductive rights, shows that this is not merely about uh, what they need to do or not do in their personal life. They want to enforce this and push this onto other people and control other people's lives using their religious um, requirements executed through the law. And that's messed up. I mean, that is really messed up. Well said. I think it's really disingenuous, too, that they're framing this as a, a religious rights issue that, that her religious rights are being trampled. And I think the best analogy I saw to that was it's been going around Facebook. There's a little sign that says, um, be, you know, it's, it, it, it's got a little California DMV symbol, and it says, sorry, uh, due to the sincerely held beliefs of the Muslim clerk, we will no longer be issuing uh, driver's licenses to women. Right. Sorry. Um, 
you know, the, the Christians say this is a matter of religious rights, but I bet they wouldn't respect that person's religious rights and use the same argument in that case. Oh, not at all. Not yes. at all. And the uh, the other thing that's interesting is I was watching or re-watching The Revisionaries, which if, if people haven't seen it, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of past history, but it's still impacting Texas schools. It has to do with the Texas School Board. It's a very good film, very interesting film. I don't think I've seen anybody watch it that wasn't shocked at what they saw. Um, but the Texas School Board issue back when, the whole time I'm watching it, they're going through and they're trying to make this curriculum language saying, oh, you know, we need to look at the strengths and weaknesses of evolution and the people that are writing the curriculum and involved in uh, as experts on the curriculum are coming forward and saying, we don't understand what you mean by the weaknesses. Like, what are the weaknesses? We don't get it. We don't know what that represents. We don't even know what we're, what information we're supposed to supply there. There aren't weaknesses. So they changed it to, like, evaluate and analyze or something like that. And the whole time they're doing it, they're saying, this isn't about our religious convictions. This is just about, like, open, critical thought in the classroom and examination of scientific theory in the classroom. And we want to have this open conversation where the children are free to ask questions. We want freedom, you know, academic freedom. How could you be against freedom? Well, the whole thing, though, <laughs> is I'm watching it and I'm saying, if this isn't about your religion, why is this the only theory? Where you want to apply this language. Why don't you apply this language and use other theories? Like, you're clearly targeting this. So when they give their little spiel, it sounds all pretty. But then you look at what's going on, and they are targeting this one thing. So they, they have this one issue that they're targeting, and... It demonstrates that they are biasly looking at the one thing that that conflicts with their religion. So this is completely about their religion. Yeah. Anyway. Dishonest. Um, I'm not seeing. It looks like we lost him. Yeah, I was waiting for the call to come up just to let people know. I wasn't just chatting away while a caller was waiting. (laughs) I was waiting for the call to come up, had this chat that I wanted to have. Um, And we do have another person waiting. We're looking for Jeff now. Um, in Akron, Ohio, and hopefully we can connect with Jeff, or if Hosu, you know, comes back on, we can get back with Hosu. Um, I'm probably just butchering his name or her name, by the way. I don't even know. Sorry if it's being butchered. <sighs> okay. okay, thank you. It looks like we have a call now, so let's hear from Jeff in Akron. Jeff, I think you're live. Hi. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Um, okay, I'm great. You can hear me. I, I haven't used uh, Skype that much. Oh, you sound fantastic. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Um, anyway, first of all, I wanted to say um, that, uh, number one, I'm an atheist, and I, I've been watching the show now for a couple months, and, you know, I, I can't wait until scientists are able to create a living cell in the lab, because that day will come. Just like man was able to walk on the moon, just like in 1900, nobody thought that man would be able to walk on the moon. And in the 60s, we proved them wrong. Um, and and that that day will come when when uh, scientists are able to to take uh, non living chemicals and create a living cell in the lab. Well, in in one sense, I think it's already happened. At least. You know, there's the RNA, Mil- I guess. Mil- I don't know that much about it. The Miller Urey experiments, they at least prove that you can take inorganic chemicals and throw them together with some some kind of electrical stimulus that, you know, could have been lightning and uh and form organic molecules. So that's at least you know, that's not doesn't prove anything about the early conditions of the earth, but at least it shows that this sort of thing 
um, works in some sense. Can I ask Jeff? Um, let's say that uh, tomorrow they did this. They were able to re- to produce something that had DNA and it was reproducible. Like the the thing reproduced itself. So they create a, a self reproducing cell. Yeah. And like, what is it that you think would occur at that point? Well, that uh, that would pretty much pull the rug out from under religious belief because um, all religious belief, as one of the tenets, says that uh, that God is is the only one who can create life. I don't think it says he's the only one that can create life. I think it says he created certain types of life, like uh, God created life. But what makes you think that they wouldn't treat this just like they treat evolution, where the Catholic Church says, "Yeah, yeah, evolution is true. God God used evolution." Like, what hmm. makes you think they wouldn't do something like that and say, yeah, this is how God made life? <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I'm, I'm not really sure how to respond to that. Um, but just the fact that uh, scientists would be able to do that, just the fact that humanity would be able to create life from non-living materials, that is something that would be godlike. I think we do a lot of things that are godlike. I mean, just the fact that I'm talking to people, uh, you know, somebody in Akron, Ohio, uh, via Skype, right? But I, I think the issue here is that believers, I think this is an issue where believers kind of set up something that they kind of aren't, well, it's weird. They're not honest, but I don't think that they're being necessarily cognitively dishonest. What happens is they'll say things sometimes that they actually on a surface level, think are correct. And then when something happens and it gets undermined, they then seem to still hold on to their belief anyway. So what will happen, for example, is they'll say things like, oh, you know, people can't make life in a lab. And they hold this up as though this is some evidence of God or some supporting thing with God. And then if people did it, right, then they would just turn around and say, Oh yeah, that's how God did it, and it wouldn't affect their. I I don't think it would affect their belief at all. I think they would just sort of revise their beliefs in order to fit that in, just like they always always do. Yeah, well, the fact that religion is so pliable in that way, it is uh, kind of it kind of discredits religion. (laughs) Well, what it discredits to me is their points and arguments, because what it shows me is that their belief is not based on these things that they argue so vehemently about. So these challenges that they put forward when they say, we can't make life, they're acting like that's a big, you know, a big thing. And then when it's gone, suddenly it's not a big thing anymore. Suddenly it's like nothing. And so they just move on. And so what's happening is they have this belief, but they don't really even know why they have it. And they think that they have all these reasons, right? And one of the reasons they think they have it is because, wow, life is such a mystery. But when you start tearing those things down, what I've seen not all the time. I mean, some people are not like this. Some people will uh, come out of their belief when certain linchpins are pulled. But a lot of people, you can pull all those linchpins out where there's nothing left, and they'll just say, "Well, I just got to have faith." Yeah, and That's you're just true. you're sitting there looking at it, going, "I so you don't really have any reason for believing you, it's just in your head." That's true. I think that the argument uh, has already been won. It's just that, so, I mean, really, you guys can just basically go home as far as I'm concerned. The argument's already <laughs> been won. It's just that some people don't want to be reasoned with. Yeah. So it's a wrap. Jeff says we're done. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Thanks for watching. We'll no, see you next John, week. John, do you have anything I, to add? I mean, I've, been, no, I've dominated this, great. I feel um, like. No, that's no, a very good point. I, I just wanted to raise one more point. Sure. Um, sure. I believe in philosophical naturalism. 
And the reason why I do, I know that's a stretch. The reason why I do is because um, all of the evidence that we've collected so far is in support of philosophical naturalism. There is no, um, all of the mysteries that were unknown that have been since solved, they've all been, they, they've all been shown to have natural causes. And so therefore, philos- uh, not, nothing that we've collected as far as evidence has, has shown philosophical naturalism to be false. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't quite put it that way. I think the reason that um, philosophical naturalism is probably a good thing to be holding to currently is just there's no other game in town. It, it's the right. only game in town. So until there's another game, <laughs> that's pretty much all you've got. It's like with evolution and creationism, right? Um, the idea being that I, I was when I was watching Revisionaries, I was I was just so blown away the way that they look at it. And, and uh, there was one scientist who was saying, well... Um, in evolution, there are certain aspects of it and certain things that you can find where we're still researching and still looking for answers. And the creationist, um, Don McElroy, said, and then I see that and I think, well, then the whole theory could be wrong. But if you turn that around and say, well, where's your evidence for creationism? There's none, right? Yeah. So they look at right. evolution and there's like this pile, this mountain of evidence that mm-hmm. is, is right in their face. And then they'll look for any any sort of unanswered question in any like minuscule aspect of it and then say, oh, maybe the whole thing is wrong. But when you turn it on what they're saying, there's nothing there. There's not a shred of evidence there. And so they, they have this weird idea. I look at it like right now we know that evolution occurs. You're going to argue with me as a creationist that you don't think it can occur over these long spans and accomplish the genetic diversity that we see on the planet today. But the point is, it's the only natural um, mechanism that I'm aware of that produces like uh, change over generations. And until we see a creationist ev- event, yeah. um, we don't have anything to study there. So the only thing that does this appears to be evolution. And until something else is brought forward that we can actually look at, Here's what we're looking at because it's the only the only mechanism we we are aware of that can that can produce changes at all. But I mean, now we have it in a lab, I guess. We have like the ability to go in and genetically alter things in a lab, but prior to that, you know, there's there wasn't anything. So when they it's the same type of thing you're talking about where philosophical naturalism versus what? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, what else is there? Well, and, and once you had some kind of creationist event to look at and study, then it would become naturalism again. Right, but it so. can still be creationism. I <laughs> yeah, mean, you know, I yeah. however you, but, the, but the point is, when you've only got one, me- one observable mechanism and one thing that you can study and one thing that you can examine evidence for, you're welcome to entertain all kinds of alternative ideas that you want, but until you have something that we can observe just as well, you've got, it's, it's this versus nothing. Right. Yeah, you could you sure. could completely refute evolution tomorrow somehow. And then we're left and, with nothing. And, and that would not <laughs> forget nothing. that would not prove creationism right. any more than it is yeah. already. We'd be sitting there you going and then so then what cuz what is causing this? We don't know. You don't win by default right. just because you And then they'd say <laughs> you don't know, so I'm right. That's right. <laughs> okay? um, you don't know, I, so creationism. You don't, you don't know the answer, therefore it's my answer. Yeah. That's um, how it goes. I, I just have I just have one more really quick comment. Take your time, Jeff, because you're the only game in town right now. We've got (laughs) Jeff versus nothing. Okay. (laughs) Uh, 
I, I, I just have one more really quick comment. Sure. In Genesis 1 16, mm-hmm. it says God created the stars. However, you can go on YouTube and you can download a video where the process of star formation is detailed and they you you can see a star forming mm-hmm. and you they they show you and the process of star formation is explained to you in detail. Isn't so God how wonderful? is it that God created the stars when you can actually see the video on YouTube that that's, demonstrates this? That's how God I just, that's how that's God, how did, God it. did it. Yeah, I mean it's thing. it's amazing that we can sit there and watch God at work. Right. Right. And I just want to say one more thing. I really enjoy the show and thanks a lot. Uh you're welcome. You sure you don't thanks. have anything else to talk about? <laughs> You've got us, man. We're, we're at your call. We've got nothing. I really, oh, I do. I have one more little Go thing. Go for it. Um, okay. Well, I, I know that Matt's not the host this week. And yeah, so sorry. that's okay. But I just wanted to say uh, how much I really enjoyed the uh, Ray, his debate with Ray Comfort. Uh-huh. I know that was a, a while ago, but I, uh, I saw that video, and I really enjoyed that. And um, the thing about Ray Comfort is that he's a good lawyer. And some someone made a video of uh, describing Ray Comfort as a lawyer, and that's exactly what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why they call it defending the faith. Okay, a defense lawyer doesn't care about what's true. Right, it's about winning. He just wants to to, to find the evidence to prove his, that his client didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, in reality, right. a defense lawyer is about getting his client off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was convinced to join the church when I was about 15 by a uh, apologist, Josh McDowell. And it's the same story, right? He had this really, really great um, set of arguments and evidence. It was like fantastic until I got to the university library where I started to look it up and I saw that he simply presented things that supported his case and swept all the rest of it under the rug. Didn't, didn't talk about the things that were problematic for him. And he was, he's got a quote on, on the internet now. Josh McDowell was years ago. He was kind of like the precursor to the modern apologist. That, like, he was sort of the Ray Comfort of my generation, I guess. Um, probably a little bit more serious. And uh, he has said something like, you know, the internet is the worst thing to happen to apologists. Like, and it is. It's because in, in his case, as soon as you had access to the information, he was messed. His, his thing just fell like a house of cards. And it's harder now because we've got more information. Um, so we do have another call now. So thanks for, for tiding us over there, Jeff, and hanging in thanks there a like, a, like a trooper. Yeah, um, thanks a Appreciate lot. your call. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And we, um, we're waiting now. They're going to call Elizabeth, uh, who is in England. And this looks like a fun call, too, we got coming up. Yeah, so. cool. And, I, yeah, uh, Matt is off in some conference. I forget, PostaCon or something this weekend, so that's why... He's not here, but we'll pass along your message to him, Jeff. And uh, while we wait here for Elizabeth to get on the line, I'm not. I don't know if I'm hearing you. Yeah, mine's been cutting out a little bit too. <laughs> a little bit of mic issues, but we'll get it so, fixed. I think it is just the, the little we connectors. We can't blame I think the public access now. studio for the equipment problems nah, this time. All, hey, it's, Jeff sounded great. That was good <laughs> yeah. sound. I gotta say. And as soon as Elizabeth gets queued up. Um, she has kind of a fun topic here, so I like this one. If you're in the Austin area, yeah, please, right. please join us for dinner. Yeah, yeah. At Threadgills uh, Thread North. Threadgills North on after Lamar. the show on, on North Lamar. We'd love to see you there. 
Hello, Elizabeth in England. Are you on? Um, I don't hear control Elizabeth. room. We can't hear Elizabeth. The control room is working on it. Well, we assume. <laughs> that's our that's our assumption. That's our faith based assumption is that the control room is getting us. And, and Elizabeth, as soon as you we hear you, we will let you know. So you just hang in there and keep talking, and they'll get you on. So. What have you been up to? I've been, I've been chatting away. I chatted about Kim Davis. I chatted about revolution or revisionaries. What do you got? Give me something. School board. and I just want to do another plug for the Bat Cruise. Do it. Two weeks from today, or two weeks from yesterday, Saturday, September 26th. Fun time. Fun time. Yeah. Everyone always has a good time. And Tickets. make a weekend of it. I mean, you can come Sunday to the studio. We usually get packed, so we're a little concerned about the the condensed size <laughs> of the Free Thought Studio, but we will do our best to accommodate people that want to come out and, uh, and then join us for dinner also after that show. Yeah. But that'll be a good time. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I noticed as well that if you're looking for fun stuff on Netflix that'll upset you, <laughs> like Revisionaries, <laughs> um, Jesus Camp is also now on, it's been on oh, Netflix yeah. for a little while, and I've got that queued up to show a friend of mine, um, and that's another one I said that is as, uh, as frustrating as Revisionaries is, uh, Jesus Camp is actually that disturbing. <laughs> so yeah. that was a really, really disturbing film, I think. that I saw, I saw that when it came out, and I've forgotten a lot of the details now, but I remember it was... I remember how disturbing it was. It was very difficult to watch, and I just remember wanting to take the children away (laughs) from those people. They were not nice folks, uh, not necessarily people that should be in control of children. So that wasn't an odd a good thing. Um, It looks like Elizabeth is not on the line anymore. No, they're working on it, I'm pretty sure. Um, Let me see what else I've got going on. I wasn't really prepared with topics today since I'm playing host. Elizabeth, are you there now? Is she? Elizabeth, can you hear? Oh, I hear something. Elizabeth? Ah. Oh. I hear me. I hear you now, too. But I don't hear Elizabeth. Too much dead air. Well, I just want to thank Elizabeth for being so patient with us, because that takes a special personality to hang in there when we're we're being... Having troubles, so I'm just—I'm not just scanning the internet. I'm trying to see what else I've been posting because I'm looking for topics. Um, I don't think the cat memes are what people want to hear about. <laughs> oh yeah, just FYI, since we can promote stuff, right? I mean, we yeah, can say sure. things. Chris Johnson is traveling around doing his a better life, and oh, I think it's not on the bookshelf anymore. Well, it's good to promote that because a lot of people from the Atheist Experience were involved in the project, and I know I helped support it, like at the Kickstarters and stuff. I had a Chris is a fantastic person, and if you want to contact him uh, for a speaking engagement in your area. If you have an atheist group and would like to do a screening, he is definitely making himself available all over the place. I think he's gone to China now. And oh, wow. I mean, it's crazy. He's been everywhere. And uh, you just he, it's a really good film. I thought the film came out well, and not just because of my involvement in the film. <laughs> I feel it's so self-serving, like when you're involved in a project and then you're saying, like, it was a great... But I, the reason that I decided to become involved was after I met Chris. He was so professional and such a great personality that... I knew that whatever he put his mind to, he was going to do a great job of it. And he really is that type of a person where if he's he wouldn't take it on if he wasn't going to do a fantastic job. And that's what he did with this film. So 
I really recommend that if you have a group and you want to, you know, he's, he's comfortable with host families, so it's not like you need to spring for expensive hotels, and he's not at all the diva. Uh, he's a very, very down-to-earth guy, and uh, so bring him out and let him show his movie and talk about it, ask questions. Um, is that out on DVD yet? I, I haven't had a chance to see it. I have the DVD, in fact. So, yeah, it's downloadable. There's DVDs of the movie. You can get the book. Um, the book's a little pricey, but, I mean, it's a full-color, huge book. So, but just FYI, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote that uh, if you want Chris, we had him come out to Austin and do his presentation here, and it was, it was really good. He opened in London, right? I mean, he had his opening, the premiere of the film was in London, too. I think it was a sold-out audience or standing room, something like that. It was a huge crowd. So... If you're uh, involved with a group and you'd like to get this going, uh, let them know that they should contact Chris uh, for a screening. And let's see. Oh, I was also um, posting quotes from GOP representatives who are supporting, I guess, Kim Davis. Yeah. So we've got Mike Huckabee. There was a very funny little article with Mike Huckabee where he was interviewed and someone asked him, to, uh, called him out on whether or not we should be issuing divorces. Um, you know, like if we're not going to issue gay marriage licenses and uh, yeah, he moved to, well, but divorce is legal. And they were like, no, 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 this was a religious objection, right? I mean, <laughs> it, you can't just move to the law because now gay marriage is legal. So yeah. now we should do that, right? So, But he just kept bouncing back and forth between trying to describe gay marriage and why it shouldn't, why, uh, you know, she should be allowed to not issue gay marriage licenses because of her religious objections. And they were like, but what if you have a religious objection to divorce? Like, can you not? And it was like, no, 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 but that's legal. And it's like, okay, you are not making sense. And just kind of watching, you know, most of the time, I think in interviews, I get really frustrated because the interviewer will sort of realize they're not getting an answer and then they move on. But mm -hmm. this person really hammered it. And so it was very interesting and for me, somewhat enjoyable to see the squirming. <laughs> so I liked it. If, if a person's going to be dishonest, I like to see them squirm. Well, and it's such political posturing, too. He he kind of made himself part of the, the big photo op when Kim Davis got out of jail. And, uh, and it was funny because Ted Cruz, our illustrious senator from Texas, wanted so badly to get up on that stage and share the limelight. And, and one of Huckabee's aides prevented him from getting up there. So, you know, these guys... Um, they're they're trying to to posture for political reasons. I I'm not sure how sincere they are about the deeply held religious beliefs. Now, I will say that there were a few GOP reps who were not in favor of Kim Davis, and I was very glad to see them step out. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was I think it, I want to say it was Lindsey Graham hmm. who said that uh, she needs to do her job. So I, I'm kind of glad to see that because it seems like this this type of an issue sort of. You know, uh, the GOP has such a reputation outside of the GOP as being such a right-wing conservative gr you know, group of people. And so it's interesting to see an issue like this that separates, like, the really whacked-out right part, like, part of the party from the part that kind of realizes this is getting really whacked out. So it's, it, it's kind of interesting to see some people saying, yeah, this is a little extreme even for me as a GOP rep. And I, and I kind of wonder what's going to happen there. It looks like you know they're more they're starting to get like more Tea Party versus GOP. Yeah. So you know the Ted Cruz crowd. Well, and then along those lines too, this week our our former governor Rick Perry dropped out of the race. Um, I guess Aww. I guess the country's not ready for a, an indicted felon to be president Aww. just yet. So was he? In, is he? A, 
Indicted. Was it felony charges? Yeah, he's okay. indicted. He hasn't been right. convicted yet, but yeah, yeah. we'll see how that turns out. I don't know if that was really what did it for him or not. I think he's just too far. I think he's too extreme. He, I think he most of the, get the support. most of the people out of Texas since Bush, I mean, they, these are people that make Bush look not conservative. You know what I mean? They're so wildly, you know, religiously conservative. Yeah. You know, Perry and Cruz are just over the rainbow. Oh man, I think our our our. Uh, he, well, I mean, am, he, I, am I supposed to announce the next one? Should we be yeah, trying? Yeah, if you can't get Elizabeth, We also let's... have Guy, and we can maybe try to call Guy. I don't know. I don't know what the audio issue is with Elizabeth, but I feel bad because it was a it was a fun topic, and I, I hope they'll keep working with her. Yeah, Because I don't want to just let her go if we can get it to work. But we also have Guy in Ontario, and if they want to try that one and then get back to Elizabeth, I don't know um, so, what Hey, it was a fun topic, and I I hope they'll keep working with her. Yeah, because I don't want to I don't want to just let her go. Mm-hmm, that sounds it. familiar. Yeah, that sounds like you. <laughs> oh wow, deja vu. Hello. Hey, who is this? Uh, this is uh, Guy, actually, oh, not Guy. Oh, okay. Guy from Windsor. Okay, welcome. Yeah. We can hear you. Okay, that's fine. So, uh, do, do you have a definition of godhood? No, I don't. It's because, uh, you see, once I got involved uh, a little bit with uh, atheism, I sort of realized that uh, most atheists are being blindsided, in a way, by a theist. Because if you don't have any definition of God, godhood, you know, what makes for God, then anyone can come along and tell you, Oh, this is God, or this is God, and this is God, and you end up having to fight uh, to fight uh, all sorts of battle about all sorts of things, right? Yeah, that's and, the reality uh, of it. And uh, you don't get anywhere. But if you had a definition of Godhood, what makes for God, then you can uh, at least uh, simplify the whole thing, right? But you, because, how do you get uh, people to agree with it? Yeah, that's the problem: is agreeing on one common definition. Like I mean, I can't. I can't. I could walk around and say I have this definition of God, and this is the definition of God that everyone must adopt in order to talk to me about God. And if I said, let's say that I said this is my definition of God, and I give a definition, and then I say that's the God that I reject, and someone else says, well, do you accept my God because my God's not like that? And then I'm going to have all those same arguments again, won't I? Uh, in a way, yes. But uh, let's say we put it. Are you there, Guy? Oh, yes. It's uh, because I'm trying to listen to the uh, broadcast. Oh, you uh, might want to turn so, that down. And yeah, just, just, just listen, listen to, to your phone. Uh, sorry. That's uh, okay. Well, let, let's uh, put it another way. Like, uh, let's say instead of talking about God, we're going to talk about, say, tomatoes. Now, if I want to talk about tomatoes, but you don't know what tomatoes are, Right then the very first thing we have to do is agree on what tomatoes are. Because if we don't even agree on what, on mm, what that's tomatoes not, that's are... That's not a good example, um, Guy. We, we should stick to an example that is conceptual because that's what God is. So let's, stick, let's say, let, for example, love, all right, that we want to talk about love. Uh, love is... Uh, it, it's a little different. Uh, because uh, it's not uh, something we necessarily agree with. But uh, what about knighthood? Knighthood. 
knighthood would be a better uh, no because so, knighthood uh, you you qualify there are qualifiers for that what i'm saying is the god most people who believe in god will agree that that they can, they don't have something to point to like a tomato so they're talking about a conceptual that they're starting with a conceptual definition and they will admit to that so i have to stick with something that's conceptual and I, i that's why i threw out love but i but i can't really go with something for which we have like exacting parameters because god is in fact a concept and there are different concepts of god held by different people and you could try to come up with commonalities to that certainly if somebody came to me and said you know my pencil is god i would be like well that that is so far outside the range of what is generally accepted by anybody as a god that i you know i just think that's a ridiculous claim not it shouldn't that shouldn't even be included in the theistic atheist debate and but when you're when you're comparing it to something tangible certainly i think the reason there are a million different concepts of god is because we don't have a god to point to like we have a tomato if there was we had this discussion i think last time i was on somebody was asking about um why don't oh, i forget how they put it but it but i was trying to explain to them you know if you don't have that pointer you don't have that thing that you can point to i have nothing to compare it to and so everybody has their own concept here um okay, okay let's i i'll go along with your idea of uh, concepts uh every word that we have is in a way stands for a concept of some sort right sure okay so whatever the concept that we uh, decide to talk about whatever it's love or knighthood or even godhood the idea here is that say here i am now in windsor i can have any definition of uh, tomatoes love god or two sheds that i want right I think But, it's a little different when you're talking about love versus a tomato because a tomato we actually have tangible examples that we can observe and study and examine. With love I, we have some very basic aspects of it that we can examine. I, I, right? I, I mean we have I brain really, reactions really that we would agree with you except that uh, the next step once I have my definition of whatever whatever, right? as soon as i start talking to you or anyone else we have to agree on some common grounds right yes that's why we ask people when they call to explain what they believe and why they believe it okay and this is where the definition of godhood comes in the same as the definition of love let's say uh, you insist on love that's fine but in, in order to talk about love we do have to talk about uh, what we mean by love for instance it, it it tends to be very hard in this day and age to define love but there 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 are some uh, basics uh, basic agreements for instance if i love someone i'm not going to go and punch them in the mouth right i'm no, not going to no i don't think there is them. agreement on that i think there are some people who think that they they love you so much that if you tried to leave them they would kill you Yeah, but then you you have to dig a, a little deeper uh, into uh, say uh, human relationships what uh, makes for a positive human relationship. Heart of cities and I'm sorry, I'm getting some weird sound. We're getting some weird audio. I don't know where that's coming from. And I'm ha- I'm having trouble hearing the caller. Like I don't know, it's very quiet. Is it you can control the volume there? Are you still there, Guy? 
is with. Uh, okay, okay, that's better. Okay. okay I'm, uh, I'm using Ustream, and uh, they keep coming up with those uh, oh, uh, commercials. Okay, okay. So, so uh, I'm trying to get rid of them. Okay. Uh, but, but the idea here is that what we, we – hello? Yes, go ahead. Okay, the idea here is that uh, whatever concepts we have, we have to agree on them before we can talk about them. Yes, that's why we ask people what they believe and why they believe it. Okay, now if – uh, you're going to talk about God or love or whatever, but uh, let's stick, stick to the idea of God because that's uh, the uh, theme of the, the show, I guess. The idea is that we should have a common definition of it. Now, if you talk to someone who says, oh, it's my definition of God, I don't care about what anyone else's definition of God is, then you know you're talking about someone who may not want to communicate or someone who may not be rational, but at least you know you're not. Uh, it's pointless to talk to them. You're not going to get anywhere. So if you talk about someone who's going to be talking about God, the very first thing you have to do is sort of agree on a definition of God, which is uh, my uh, the 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 sort of heart of my question: a definition of godhood, similar to uh, a definition of knighthood. Like, uh, you may want to talk about a knight with a horse and uh, an armor and he's uh, saving damsels in distress, right? But you can also talk about uh, some other knight, knight who has uh, achieved something worthwhile in a modern society, does not even ride a horse. Right. Like and what m brings all of this together is that uh, we have a definition of knighthood which is someone who's been knighted by a monarch so we can talk about what seems to be at first very different people but they have a common ground and we can relate to it same as god if uh, you have a definition of godhood then you can talk about all sorts of different gods but know that you're still talking about gods and maybe you you choose to uh uh, one particular God over another one. I guess or you I'm trying to figure out here, God like, how, do I, how do I get to tell somebody what God they believe in or don't believe in? So if a Catholic comes to me and they're telling me that they believe in God and they want to talk about God and I say, God, um, uh, whatever. I, uh, well, be, like like uh, gods are... are uh, are mortal. Yeah. If they don't drink the ambrosia, they die. And if, if you don't believe that, then the thing you believe in isn't God. I mean, the Catholic's not going to roll over for that. Yeah, but if you start the uh, discussion by asking them what their definition of Godhood is... That's what we do. Uh, no, you ask them what their definition of God is. It's a little like uh, if I say I defined uh, you, okay? I say, okay, you're a woman, you're from Texas... But by talking about you as a woman from Texas who is the host of a, a show, that does not define woman, women in general, right? Right, but this is, most people are not believing in other people's gods. They have their own concept of God that they adhere to. I, I don't know anybody that, that adheres to multiple yep. concepts of gods. Yeah, but that's why they have to have faith because they themselves don't have a definition of Godhood. So the work to be done is to actually come up with a definition of what makes a God. For instance, let's say that one of the characteristics of God would be ultimate, 
right? I don't know what that means. Ultimate. What does I that mean? mean? That, well, look it up in a dictionary. It means <laughs> there's nothing beyond that. That's the most of the most. I disagree with your, your, your aspect there, your metric. Apollo was not ultimate, but he was a god. Actually, he was ultimate. If you uh, no, he wasn't. He actually there were other gods that could that could supersede him. There were times when he would go head to head with some of the other gods and lose. How is he ultimate? Yeah, but you see, one, you tell me you don't have definition of godhood. Two, you decide that one god can be more powerful than another god, so that the other god that it's not quite as powerful as the first god is not a god. So uh, it doesn't make <laughs> sense. That, no, what I'm saying is that you had a pantheon in Greece where they had gods. The people worshipped the gods. Everybody agreed these were gods. And yet sometimes the gods went head to head and one would get their way and the other one wouldn't. And so those were the, gods. No, so I don't think the idea of uh, having one god more powerful than another god does not belong in the definition of godhood. But all of them would beat each other at different times. I mean, even oh. Zeus didn't get his way all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, yeah, but that's true. But what makes Zeus a god and Apollo a god? Just as they, because they were immortal and superhuman, like that's pretty much what the Greeks observed and called a god. It was immortal and yeah. superhuman. Obviously, the Greeks didn't agree that an uh, an aspect of godhood is being ultimate. So that's that's exactly the problem that we started out saying is that. Uh, there, there's no way you could get a, agreement, I don't think, on any facet yeah. of what God is. And what do you do is. with demigods? Like, what do you do with the half-man, half-god? What do you do with Hercules, right? I mean, is that a god? Is that, He's mortal, but he's, you know, but he's half-god. So what is that? I mean... It, then, then we have to go to uh, what I call the next step. Ultimate, but in what way, right? Because if, the, the say, the strength of the god does not matter... He's still a god, even though he may be weaker than another god. Or a goddess is a woman, whereas Zeus is a man, but they're still both gods. Then this ultimate has to uh, to be refined a little bit. Yeah, and that's my problem, though, is that any metric that you're going to lay down is going to have to be problem. refined. Because there's going to be somebody okay. that's shifting okay. and, and they don't use that metric. How about metric? this one uh, refinement, as you call it, authority? Ultimate authority. Those could be two nice little refinements for the definition of godhood, wouldn't they? But did Apollo have ultimate authority if he could sometimes get his ass kicked? I I mean, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, how do I, if I can find gods that are, that we agree as, you know, humanity were worshipped as gods, these were gods. But they're not adhering to these particular structures. I mean, there are there. I don't think that absolutely anything can be classified as a god. But I do think that among the concepts of God, there is so much diversity that you really just have to let the person coming to you tell you what it is they're talking about. And then, if you want to say, "Wow, that's so outside the range of you know what anything any anyone has ever worshipped or labeled as a god," that I don't you know you're on your you're out on a limb by yourself there. You know, like I'm not even worrying about that concept. But when it comes to even common conceptions of God, historically and modern, they are all over the map. Within okay, that concept. Let's uh, refine it a little bit more. Why? Again. I guess I'm asking why. Why Why am I defining this for other people? Why don't I let the person who's coming to me and they believe in God tell me what it is they believe in and then we have a conversation from there? 
because uh, if you don't have a definition of your own, then you cannot uh, have. How a, do I have a definition for something I don't even think exists? Yeah, yeah, but you cannot say that it doesn't exist if you don't have a definition to. Uh, I don't look believe for. that it exists because all of the claims that have been brought to me have failed to convince me that they are correct. And so what, what I'm, when I say that I don't believe in God, I'm saying I don't believe in any of the God claims that have so far been put forward to me, any that I'm aware of. Okay, and that brings us back to what I said at first. If you don't have a definition of Godhood, you have to deal with every case on a case-by-case basis. Yes, you like, do have to. All the claims. Yes, but you I, do. I guess I don't see what the problem with that is. That seems like the natural Different way people to have different gods, and I don't get to dictate. You, if you start telling people this is what your god must be, they're just oh, going to no, tell no, you. No, 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 no. You don't dictate to people. It's a little like, uh, say... <laughs> well, uh, then I'm letting them tell me what they think. No, I, no. I, I don't, I'm not but, getting this. Yeah, yeah, but one went driving at is that we... Uh, it, it's like for every word, you have to have a sort of a consensus, right? Otherwise, people won't be able to communicate. If I want to talk about cars, right, you have an idea what cars are, and we can talk about it. If uh, I want to talk about trees, right, you have an idea what trees are, and we can talk yes, about it. Yes, because we can observe those things, but God is not like that. Right? God is purely conceptual. If they could bring a God to me and show it to me, we wouldn't be having this conversation. How right? can you say that God is only conceptual when you don't even have a definition of Godhood? Because other people's definitions are conceptual. I'm and reacting to claims. That's what the atheism is. It's a response to a theistic claim. Yeah, but uh, since you're responding to uh, particular and subjective claims as right. to what God is... You're not talking about God. You're talking about an interpretation of what God. You could say the same thing about love. Yeah, but if the person is wrong, how do you be wrong? It's their concept. They can't be wrong about what they what their. Well, of course you can be wrong. I mean, people are not always right. They can be. If somebody tells me this is what I think love is, right? Like Jim says, this is what Jim thinks love is. Jim's telling me what's in Jim's head with regard to love. I can't tell him he's wrong. I can tell so, him I don't agree with that, that that's not what I would call love, or I think that's like a weird you know, way to express your love by killing your partner because you were so obsessed with them. But I do understand that there are some people who view it that way. So I have to accept that within the realm of the way people look at love, there are some people that look at it that way. So what you're saying is that someone can be wrong and uh, you have to accept it without... Uh, I'm not calling him wrong. Any need to <laughs> I'm saying there's, that if... There's no standard to judge by right. which it's right Show or wrong. Show me the God and I'll tell you whether or not they're wrong, right? But it's like if, they're, if they have a concept in their head and they're describing it to me, how are they... It's like if, if they come to me and tell me they're sad, they're not wrong. <laughs> I don't get this. I, I, yeah. I'm going to have to say, you know, it's... It, I, I don't know where this is going. Feel free to post at our blog. I would say you might want to go, go to the free, free thought blogs forward slash AXP, and there's an open show thread for this show. And I'm going to go ahead and direct you to go ahead and sort of type this up and post it as a comment on our blog. If you're not um, already, if you haven't posted on the blog before, you'll have to wait for a little bit. An administrator will have to come and clear the comment. So you might not see it immediately. 
But I think that this is a deeper discussion. This could easily take the entire show. And I think yeah. it's, it's probably better dealt with in a group forum at the blog where people can respond to this. Because I'm not sure that I'm following this. And it sounds to me like um, something that won't fly. But I might not be understanding it correctly. And maybe you can expound on it over there in more detail um, and at a greater length and maybe even for a longer span of time. But for now, we've got a couple other calls that we need to get to. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Yeah, uh, you want me to send you my definition of godhood? If you want right. to post it at the blog, sure. there, there will be a show thread for this show for Tracy and John on, you know, episode, I think it's like 953 or something like that. But you'll, if you go to the blog, it'll be the first blog post and you can put a comment in there and describe this concept um, for, for the other viewers and the hosts also can see it then as well. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. Yeah, far, fair enough. All right. Well, sorry yeah. I didn't quite maybe wrap my head around where we were going with that, but I appreciate your call. No. Thanks, Guy. We appreciate it. Yeah. And we have... All right. So we've got, it looks like um, Aileen is calling from Lisbon, from Portugal. Portugal. Cool. We can get her on the line. Yeah. So she looks like the next one up. And wow, that was, uh, I don't know how long I went with that. I might have let that go. I, I imagine I had these images of the chat room screaming at me. <laughs> I think they're not allowed to like tell me to do that. But um, yeah, I that that uh, I, I, can't, I guess I kept thinking it was gonna that I would clue in at some point. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can understand how it would be useful to have a common dish definition for anything you want well, to discuss, but I feel like some it's a step back. Aren't concrete enough. To I mean, this is how the show evolved to ask the question, tell us what you believe and why you believe it, was because we ran into the issue of making assumptions about what a god was and other people disagreeing, and then we it was a mess. Yeah. You'd argue for an hour and then realize the person wasn't talking about what you thought what you thought they were talking about. And and until they told and so we started just saying, You tell me, what do you believe? Yeah. And we, it was a way to make it more efficient, not less efficient. We sometimes get the comment, Well the God I believe in isn't the one you don't believe in and we say, Well how tell do you know that? God. Tell me what yeah, tell me what God Now you we have in. Uh, Aileen, she's listed as a theist in Lisbon, Portugal. Go ahead, Aileen. Are you there? Am I pronouncing your name right? Lisbon, are you on? Okay, we're not hearing Lisbon. Aline, Aline? I think it's Aline. Aline? I don't know. Oh, oh I heard something. Do we have uh, Lisbon? Lisbon? Nothing yet. Yeah. Control sorry. room. Keep trying. Get her on. I don't want to lose another one. I don't know if the audio issues are on our well, side. Well, we can't or... hear the caller, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we had and, that problem uh, with Elizabeth, too. Trying to figure out. Oh, and we have a, a note there too about Elizabeth, and just kind of letting people know that uh, we don't have to stop at five thirty. <laughs> we can keep going because we we're do not renting we the want. studio. So um, I know I can stay and chat with callers. I don't want to commit the rest of the crew. It's an all-nighter. There you go. Come on, get us a call. Okay. All right. We lost. Oh, we lost no. Sorry. We've been. We've been uh, um, She's been regressed to the to the queue again. So we thought we had a live one there. If, if, uh, oh wait, here we go. Are you there now? Is Lisbon on? Is it Lisbon? 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 Lisbon, Portugal is how I would say. Lisbon. It. Okay. She, she'll tell us if we ever if we ever hear a voice. If you. Uh, I think I get to tell them 
what the name of the city is. I need to have my definition of Lisbonhood. Lisbonhood. And then <laughs> they need to respect it, my authority. Well, and even knight, knighthood, the Queen of England may have a completely different standard for knighthood than the, you know. The well, the thing is, it's very easy to define King something of you can point to, which is the whole problem, right? It's like you can't point to a god. That's the problem. And so you end up with these billion concepts. And, you know, it's like with love, at least we have even a, we have a, a baseline there where you can look at brain chemistry and say, okay, well, there is at least something here happening that's like a very strong affinity towards something. Yeah. Um, and that's okay with me to use that. It's like, but beyond that, what you do with it is kind of up to you. And yeah, there's some definitions that I'm just like, wow, that's a scary definition of love. I wouldn't want you to love me yeah. to death. Right? So, um, yeah, those people are scary. But when someone says, well, that's not love, it's like, you know what? For a lot of people, it actually is. Um, let's see. Well. What else do I have going on? Um, shoot. At least you get the joy of watching live TV. <laughs> Control room, don't leave us hanging. I'm sure they're working fastidiously in the control room. I'm tired. I'm going to go to your wall. Do you have anything fun posted? uh, It's probably the same Kim Davis stuff that's on your wall. What are your thoughts on it? Um, Same as yours. She should do her job or get a different job. Well, what about um, religious accommodation? I mean, we have uh, ADA has reasonable accommodation, and there is uh, actually employment law for religious accommodation. There's, you know, there's a lot of argue, arguments about how f- far you should go with that. Should you mm-hmm. let a, a Muslim employee do their five times a day prayer if it doesn't interfere with their performance of their duties? You know, I tend to think that you should uh, you should make reasonable accommodations, but refusing to issue any marriage license is not a reasonable accommodation. And she won't even allow her staff, other right. staff, to do it. So yeah. this isn't accommodation. This is. Yeah. I'm going to impose my beliefs on This is what they do, everybody though. Else. They, they present, like, a particular argument and say this is what they're doing. And then when you look at it, when you pull the camera back and you get the, the wide angle, you then see the whole thing, and it's like they're lying. And that's yeah. the funny <laughs> thing is th- that part of their Bible that says you're not supposed to lie, boy, they don't have any problem, like, throwing that one, chucking that in the, the bin, right? It's yeah. just, hey, we're ready to try again. Is this Elizabeth in England? Please say yes. Hello, yes. Uh, Hello, excellent. Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. We're so happy to have you. Oh, good, me too. <laughs> okay, so what do you, why don't you tell me what it is that's on your mind today? Um, I'm, uh, uh, I'm in a very, uh, not religious part of the country at all, but um, everybody here seems to have a ghost story. Their own, or they know someone who has one. Okay. Um, it's just a very old. Well, obviously everywhere's old, but it's a. Uh, there's a lot of bloody history in this town, sure. like you know, going back to ancient times and World War Two and everything. Okay. And everyone seems to have a ghost story, and it does freak me out a little bit. Even though most of these people who believe in ghosts don't believe in gods, they don't believe in anything else. But okay. everybody seems to. Everybody seems, because everywhere's so old and there are so many old buildings here. I've got friends whose whole families are convinced their house is haunted and stuff. <laughs> and I should note, let me interrupt you just to note that you you do identify as atheist, correct? I just, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah that's, but, what, that's but what they But that's say. the thing, a lot of the people here do. You can be an atheist they, and believe you know, in there's ghosts. No, I, 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 don't, I think it's weird when people believe in God and ghosts because they seem contradictory to me. I, I think it's weird to believe in both. Okay. I can kind of, because if you believe in ghosts, why, why do you think a God would... 
um, like make a system like that where yeah. you just I don't want know why God's after death system, but <laughs> actual creepy. I don't see why. It, I, don't, okay. I, I think it makes more sense to be an atheist and believe in God than both. So the ghost uh, thing, the ghost thing, kind of creeps you out. Is that what we're hearing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're creeped because out by ghosts. I, I don't. I. I don't. I, it's a difficult thing because um, I don't see it as particularly extraordinary claim because we don't if we don't know what it is how can it be extraordinary and if everyone has their own anecdote it's hard to dismiss as easily as you know okay. someone rising from the dead uh, I can dismiss right. that easily because well, that contradicts ask, what I know about the universe. Let me you know? ask you a quick question <laughs> and just make sure we're on the same page here. If I yeah. describe a story to you, if I tell you a ghost story, and then I say. You know, this was my dead aunt who came back and did whatever, and I saw this. Now, are we in agreement that the experience that I had, while I may have lived through something that has convinced me I just lived through seeing my dead aunt come and do something, for me to say that it actually was my dead aunt or the ghost of my dead aunt is not valid because I have no way to confirm what caused that experience. Is that Do we agree there? Yeah. Okay. But I, I feel like some of the alternative explanations are just as implausible. Like, um, like I, 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 like you, I've had sleep paralysis before. Mm-hmm. And I, when I researched it, I found a lot of stories of people whose whole family had seen the thing that they saw when they were having sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Like uh, mass hallucinations and things. They seem less plausible to me than some well, entity. Problem, it might not be I an actual dead person. It might be some these, other thing going things. on. But these stories I, I can't verify. If someone says to me, you know, I had this sleep paralysis episode and my parents were there and they saw the thing that I saw... In my mind, I'm thinking, I have no way to verify what you just told me. Like, I have no way to know what actually occurred. I can't go back and see it myself. So I'm, t- I'm, hear- I'm hearing a story. And I, to me, do you, do you understand, um, are you familiar with the phrase, the argument from ignorance? Yeah. Okay. What happens there is that somebody does the ghost story, and then they say, and this was caused by the ghost of my dead aunt, right? So they're, they're, they're claiming a cause, although they haven't really... They can't really confirm that that was the cause. But then that someone comes along and says something similar to what you said, which is, but these other explanations don't explain it, and so now I'm still back to the ghost. And the argument from ignorance is when you, when you don't step back and say, you know what, I don't know. The truth is I don't know what caused this. So they're, they're telling me this story. I don't understand this story. I doubt they're lying about what they experienced, but at the same time, we don't know what caused it. They're somehow convinced that it was the ghost of their dead aunt, but they didn't really confirm that. Like, how could I possibly know that it really was the ghost of my dead aunt? How would I know that? Yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. I think um, it's more that it's not. It's not that I necessarily think. Yeah, these are dead people. It's more. You know, all of the weird things that happen that some people say, oh, that's a demon, and other, and you know, other cultures that that's the poltergeists would be like the elves moving stuff around. Every culture seems to have some kind of thing that they describe in exactly the same way. They just put different explanations on it. So it does make me think: uh, is there something the out there that I mean, makes people that think all this stuff is real? I just think that brains do weird things, and that sometimes we experience things that we don't understand. A lot of times we see things that we think are one thing, and it turns out it was something else. Sometimes we see something that appears to be something else, and 
you know, we might be viewing it incorrectly, but we never get a chance to go investigate. And so we think, wow, I can't believe what I just saw, you know, and maybe we didn't see it. Maybe we saw something that was, you know, looked like that, but it wasn't that. But since we didn't go and investigate it, we don't know. And so we, we go away saying, I never forget the time I saw a dragon in the woods. Well, maybe you didn't see yeah. a dragon in the woods, but you didn't. You ran away because it scared you, and so we don't know what you saw. And you might have just seen like a weird trick of light on a tree trunk. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen things that I've been really like, wow, that's bizarre. And then I find out what it is, and it's. I, I thought I saw the silhouette of a person in my backyard. It turned out to be like a, just a couple of shadows lining up with a bird feeder on top that kind of resembled a head. Um, yeah. And, and I, I was freaked out because I thought there was a man in my backyard, and I have like a big privacy fence around the yard. So I was kind of tripped out that there was someone standing in my yard, and then I realized it was just you know silhouette shadows kind of combining to make something that it wasn't. Um, and people are really suggestible too. Like if 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 somebody else had had been in the room and not looking out the window at the same time as you, and you say, "I totally saw a person in my yard," and they look yeah. out and they may see a shadow and. And, and, uh, or they go outside and a cat goes running over the fence and they just hear the bustle and they say, man, I saw something go over the fence. Like some, I think, I think there was somebody yeah. back there. I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw them going over the fence. Something went over that fence. And there's a whole field. That kind of reminds me of, um, something that, yeah, um, I used to, I volunteered in this, uh, day center once and it was very old and everyone who worked there, was convinced it was haunted, like absolutely everyone, and they were all different kinds of people. Most of them were, you know, not not the not they didn't believe in anything else superstitious at all, but they were all convinced, like they'd heard stuff. Everyone there had seen and experienced something weird happening, things being yeah. moved, like the whole the whole full on haunted house. And one of the things they said was like two two people when they were driving up to it saw this woman in the window at the top when there was no one there. Um, and that was one of the things that freaked me out the most because they weren't in the house, so it couldn't have been that weird yeah. thing that people say, like the uh, what's it, some some kind of some kind of thing in houses they think causes people to hallucinate. But they were actually outside, and that really well, freaked me out. So I was too scared to go up there. Well, there is a go upstairs in this house. Electromagnetic <laughs> fields can mess with your brain. Right? Yeah, that's that's what it. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. and old like structures have high levels of electromagnetism. Well, also they make a lot of weird noises. Old buildings yeah. make a lot of creaks, and you know the, the floors aren't necessarily level. But I think a lot of times when you see a face in a window, I mean, first of all, we're predisposed to make things look like faces. Like yeah. our brain will find faces in lots of things. It's called like parado pareidolia. We're, yeah. we're wired to to recognize patterns and and especially faces and because it's a survival thing. Like reflective light especially can sometimes look like so different when you're at different angles. Um, I just, I think a lot of times what, when people see something and they think it's a person, they're just seeing like weird refractions of the light. I, I don't even, you know, and, and even when there's three or four people seeing it, that's my first guess. When someone says, we looked up in the third story window, we saw this woman, I'd be like, you probably just saw light reflecting in a weird way off the window. Yeah. So when you're in a haunted house, supposedly haunted, you don't get freaked out at all? Well, we live in the U.S. We're not old enough to have haunted houses. <laughs> I mean, we, they have claims of hauntings and stuff here. Um, I think people freak themselves out. There's a there's a, a essay online called Shakespeare in the Bush, and you might want to read it. There's a, a woman talking about a Hamlet to a particular group of people, a particular society in West Africa. And when she gets to the part where Hamlet, which is right at the beginning, where he sees the ghost of his dead father, um, they stop her right there because they're just like, what are you talking about? 
and she has to try and explain the concept of a ghost to them because they don't know what that is. And it, it yeah. always struck me as interesting that if ghosts really occur, if that's a normal thing for a human um, to produce a ghost, then why would there be a society that does not understand ghosts or that has no history of ghost lore? Uh, does that exist? Yeah, they're the two in West Africa. If you if you look up Google Google Shakespeare in the bush and read that essay, she goes okay. through a lot of hoops to try and explain to them what a ghost is, and eventually they decide that it must just be some vision sent by a witch because how else could you see a dead a person that was dead talking to you? They were just like this doesn't make sense. Dead people don't don't oh, they don't do anything. They're dead. So. I've heard one one theory is that it's like some kind of recording. Like I I, I don't fully understand, but I, I vaguely remember that some people are saying, "Oh, it's it's like um, you're looking back in time. Like you're looking at what did happen somehow." Yeah, I don't know how that would happen. Is they don't really but like there are all sorts it. of things that it could be. But I just I find it hard to just you go for the explanations most people give like you were imagining it and stuff doesn't really work for me um it does for me because yeah. i don't trust my brain i mean i don't trust my memory and i don't trust everything i see or even your vision yeah yeah so if i if i trusted everything i saw and i thought i had a perfect memory then i would probably you know be less inclined to say i don't think that it could be a trick of the mind but i've seen people man we had a woman that called up here and said that god cured her breast cancer well, when we investigated like talked to her more deeply about it she had a lump in her breast and the lump went away she never even went to a doctor and she's running around telling people god cured her breast cancer right i mean yeah. this is people don't aren't always skeptical and sometimes you hear these stories like somebody sent me a vi- to a video the other day like they emailed and they were like how do you debunk this and it was a story, like some story about some guy that died in a Buddhist monastery and was dead for three days, and he came back to life, and, and he's going on and on. And then, then you come to find out that the guy telling the story in the video isn't even the guy it happened to, and that he can't even confirm that that guy exists. That the guy, apparently, he's like, some people are saying that he still is in some monastery and such, and so we couldn't find him. And I'm like, well, then how do you know that he's even real? I mean... I can't, you can't even get the person who you claim this happened to to talk to you about it. You haven't verified any of it. So I just wrote the guy back, and I'm like, debunk what? This is just a story. Um, at at yeah. a certain point, and when, we, when I look at these things, it's like people are like, how do you explain that? Well, these stories in people's heads get changed. Um, and, and, and when magnified, you, yeah, yeah. When I, whenever I've dealt with debunking a story like that, it's so interesting. They'll tell a story and then you start pointing out the flaws and then all of a sudden they start, I've had people that will tell me by the time I'm done questioning them, they have got this like second by second recollection of an event that occurred for three hours on like a Tuesday when they were six years old. And I mean, I, I'm sitting there going, you put way too much stock in your memory, and there is no way that you remember it to this level of detail. No one does. Um, so the, the memories get bolstered um, yeah. when people go back to reach for it and retell it. Yeah. I like to think that's true because I don't want to believe in them. I know some people want to. Yeah. I'd like to believe in alien abduction. That would be super cool, but I don't want to believe in ghosts. That's really scary. Uh, it depends on what the aliens are doing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that uh, for me, if something weird happened right? Inexplicable. All I could say is something weird and inexplicable happened. Assigning it a cause when you can't investigate that cause is premature. Yeah. 
I mean, I've, the only the only thing it's ever ha- although I say as I say a lot of people here seem to have a ghost story, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing or if it's because the houses are so old. And I mean, my school was haunted, my library was haunted, every <laughs> my friends' houses were haunted, the place I volunteered was haunted. It's See, everywhere. That, so you can't there's really all these ghosts. <laughs> why why isn't there then huge amounts of evidence? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Don't right? It's like a billion people seeing Bigfoot and we can't find a body. It, it, why? Right? I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I have my thoughts on it. I got my own ideas about why we're not finding a Bigfoot and why we don't have evidence of a ghost yet. I mean, look how many centuries we have talked about ghosts in Western civilization and we still don't have a shred of evidence that they really exist. Yeah. What does that tell you? That's what I have to tell. My, the, you know, the thing that scares me the most is, is, is it, well, I know it is stupid, but, like, um, I looked up haunted dolls once. Oh, they're so creepy. Dolls are creepy enough anyway. Haunted what? But haunted dolls. Bells? <laughs> like a bell that you ring? No, dolls. Dolls! Oh, dolls. <laughs> well, Sorry. dolls are creepy anyway. They're like clowns. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can buy these things. There were, there were people on the internet selling dolls. They just have whole websites where they just oh, sell God. dolls that they say are haunted. Okay. And um, I, I, one of my friend's house who, whose whole family thought their house was haunted, they had a whole bunch of dolls in their living room. And I really freaked myself out at one point because I was looking at this doll and I was thinking... Um, I was, I was, I was thinking. Okay, if if you're, if there's someone in there, blink at me. And I thought I saw it blink at me. And now I'm too scared to like. I would never sleep in his living room again, just Aww. in case. Like. See, I, I don't <laughs> know. No, it's stupid. I know it's stupid. But, <laughs> but, how, but you know what? Happening. And this goes back to what to pe- about people being suggestible. If they had never told you their house was haunted, you uh, the fact that they did predisposed you to to be, you know, maybe a lot more sensitive to what you were looking at and looking for something weird to happen. Whereas if they hadn't mentioned that at all, you probably wouldn't give the dolls a second look. Yeah. And I think haunted houses work the same way. People say this house is haunted, so you're you're going to be listening for any little strange noise you might hear. And then if you hear something, oh, well, they're, you know, it's haunted. I heard it. And the other thing is, how do we get that haunted dolls blink? Right? Like, how do we oh, get Oh, I that? saw there was a video where one seemed to blink on oh, YouTube. Because somebody told you that haunted dolls blink, so this haunted doll, you know, it, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, this is this is where we get these metrics from other stories. Like, we don't really know what a haunted doll would do. Somebody yeah. else said a haunted doll would <laughs> blink. I, I, I don't know. Does it or does it talk? Does it, you know, yeah. whatever. Does it move I, from I, room I to room? I looked up because I thought it was really, I, I, I like look, looking at these things to be scared, like a, like a horror film. I like sure. looking at them because they too. scare me. But then yeah, afterwards, fun. when I actually go to sleep, like, then when Aww. I actually go to bed and it's dark, then I, yeah. then I, then it actually Aww. starts to feel a bit more real. Like it's you not know, just funny. Are, how, can I ask about how old you are? Twenty-seven. Oh, okay. Do you? Uh, you sound younger. And, you yeah, live on your own. Sorry. Do you, do you oh own? no! Luckily, no. But that's one of the things that worries me. When I do move out, it will probably be in a very, do you live very with your old parents? apartment, and I'm scared. No. Are you living with your parents still? Are you living with your parents still? Yeah, I'll tell you the cure for being afraid of haunted dolls and ghosts in your in your life is when you move out and you have to pay a mortgage and you have to pay your own electric bill and you have, all that crap becomes so scarier than a haunted doll. And so what happened to me was I'm kind of like, you know what, if I'm going to be walking through the house and I'm going to encounter like a demon, whatever, I don't have to pay the mortgage if it kills me. Because <laughs> the to me, the, the pressure of real life is... Uh, tends to kind of suck the, the fear of the supernatural right out of you. I hope 
hope so. Yeah, maybe that yeah. will happen. If you ever have to deal, for example, and I'm not wishing this on anybody, but like my husband, my ex-husband went through like a bout of cancer, and if you ever have to go through cancer, demons aren't going to look so bad. They're not going to look so tough. Yeah. 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 Things well, I don't. I don't. It's true. I don't think about this stuff when something bad actually is happening. There you go. Because it's bigger. <laughs> Real life is bigger than it's bigger and badder than the supernatural. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I used to do that, especially when I was a little kid. I would have to sleep with my closet door closed because in the dark, the clothes make shapes, that kind of yeah. like your, your shadow in your Plus backyard. Plus, you can hear when the monster opens the door. At least you get the heads up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the left open, they just creep right out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah as I say, I live in a really, like, I live in that kind of town, and I work in London, which obviously, because it's crowded with people, it doesn't feel that haunted in the day, but. Right. You know, supposedly it's full of dead people because of like the wars and stuff. And I see dead uh, people; <laughs> they're everywhere. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you go, Elizabeth. It was a fun call, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much thanks for talking to me. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Okay. So I'm okay staying. I don't know if you are or not, and I don't know if the crew is, and I can't really speak for everyone, but I can stay and take a couple more calls. I do and a couple more. The crew more. needs to come and kind of give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down based on whether or not they're dedicated to stay because I don't want to commit for several people. But we do have a couple more calls to get to. So somebody from the crew come and give us a thumbs <laughs> up or down. Let us know if, we're, if we can commit well, you for the next couple calls. We won't take any more after the two that are queued. You want to tell them which one? Okay, we're good. The crew is on board with us. Everyone's on the same page. And so let's go ahead and look at whoever called in first, whoever gave gave you the message first. We've got two of them on. That's probably Dan. Okay, if it's Dan, let's go with Dan. Dan in Las Vegas, Nevada. Go ahead and see if you can get Dan on the line. And um, keep holding Joseph because uh, the crew is giving us some love here. All right, so now we've got that awkward pause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have to. Like, oh. Well, that's weird. Apparently, Dan just shifted from atheist to theist. <laughs> no, they put him oh, in red. Really? No, they, they threw you into red instead of blue, and red is our cue that we've got a theist on the line, so it was kind of funny. I All think, right. I think oh, we have well. <laughs> He's back to atheist, apparently. Okay, so this is Dan in Las Vegas. What do you got on your mind, Dan? Yeah, and you can hear me okay? Oh, yeah. you sound great, yeah. Okay. Um, my question was uh, is about raising kids, but it's one of those things where my wife is certainly not religious at all, um, even though we both got married in a church, but I think it was mainly for our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, we haven't done anything since then. And uh, our kids, being 12 and 14, um, growing up, whenever I even tried to talk to them about any sort of religion or anything else, my wife really gets kind of upset in the fact that, you know, they know that I'm an atheist, and uh, even my kids have said that they're an atheist, which kind of makes me proud, but uh, my wife, for some reason, still thinks that uh, that is something really, really bad out there. So I'm just trying to deal with that, and, you know, after being married for, you know, almost 24 years, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I can't believe that we haven't really come to terms with this yet. Wow. Can I ask a few questions just so we can get a baseline? Yeah, certainly. Okay, so when you married your spouse, were you an atheist and she was theist? I think at that time I was just a no religious preference. I really couldn't care. I was uh, raised Catholic um, up through even a um, Catholic high school. Okay. But since I got out of my home, 
I never went back to church okay, at so all. You were, her understanding then of what was going on would, would be that you were pretty ambivalent about it. You didn't, you didn't identify as atheist, but you were ambivalent. Uh, yeah, I okay. think so. And so for her, what was her situation? Um, well, I certainly never went to church with her or anything. She told me she grew up in a, uh, really, if she would do anything, it would be with her friend, uh, high school friend, you know, going with their family to what I think was a uh, Baptist church or something uh, down in Florida at that time. And, uh, but since then, I mean, she's never pressured me to go to anything, but it's... Does she go? How often does she go to church? Uh, never since we've been married, except for, okay. you know, there might All be right. the, you know, early on there was the okay. occasional holiday, All right. you know, Catholic yeah. thing. So, I mean, and you have, we have on your call thing that she's not religious, so I just wanted to kind of confirm that. So you both were sort of ambivalent about religion. Clearly, it seems to me that she believes in a God, although she's not practicing. Is that, would that be correct? Well, I try to press her on that to find out, and she just really doesn't, you know, she, she kind of goes with the Pascal's wager piece, I think. Okay, so she's not really forthcoming. We don't really know where her no. head is at in this. Okay, but we do know that she doesn't like the, is it the atheist label that bothers her or your lack of belief? Well, I think so because the one story that I would tell that yeah, I was actually a little bit proud of, uh, hold on a second, I got this dang thing. Hold on. Alright, you still there? Yeah, we're yeah. here. Okay, sorry. I had the Ustream pop up just oh, like that's a, okay. with the e. um the uh the the one story that i had there was that uh when something came up in the car and you know i definitely enjoy listening to podcasts you know yours and others of this sort that uh that have things out there and uh you know for one reason or another my kids uh both resounded from the back seat saying hey that's not a problem we're atheists <laughs> and which I got a chuckle out of, but my wife just glared at me at that point, okay. and I had no idea what to do with it. <laughs> I'm not know, supposed because... to be laughing about this children. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where I'm, I'm pretty sure she is, but I just can't hear, can't get her to just. Okay. She may, you know, she may just not like the a word. Um, I've heard that from a lot of people. Well, I don't really believe in God, but I'm not an atheist, or which, you know, which is contradictory. But they just they don't like the word. It has a bad connotation. Does her family know you're an atheist? Um, I believe so because uh, you know, probably in the last two years, you know, her her father died, and it was a very minimal funeral. There was no ceremony, no nothing. Okay. Um, so I, I, you know, they know, and certainly my family knows. So. What, what is it that she specifically objects to you talking to the kids about? Well, I, I think it's anything religious at all uh, with it, you know, um, even, even though you... they were never really brought up with it at all. But, you know, if they have questions about it and I tell them, you know, here's my beliefs and my understandings of things. And, um, you know, it, certainly I want them to be able to make up their own minds. And. You know, I'm, I'm thankful at least that I've gotten them through a very impressionable age at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, one of those things where I'm just not sure where, you know, why she would be so... Have you ever asked her point blank why she's uncomfortable talking about it? Uh, yes, I would say that I have. And I just kind of get the, you know, cold stare back. You know, it's, you know, you're <laughs> oh, going straight to hell. frustrating. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. It's, a stare. It very much is. it's not really communicating anything. I mean, 
Yeah. This is what's so weird. I mean, we don't even know that she believes in a hell. Like, even if she believes in God, we don't know what she believes as far as how that works, right? I mean, because she won't talk about it. So that's a little frustrating. I, can, I, I agree that having somebody get upset at you for something and not being willing to describe what it is that's upsetting them. I, I guess the good news is that it doesn't appear to be uh, a problem for, like, raising the kids. It doesn't appear to be an issue where she, like, got all fired up religious after children were born and decided to raise them in Catholic school and get them, you know what I mean? So the, the good yeah. news is that this appears to be so, uh, an issue where there can be a sort of agree to disagree and we will never discuss this and just go on with your life. But I do understand why it's sort of like this mysterious black hole that you're scratching your head about. I would too. But um, I, the only positive thing I can see with this is just that it's it's not a divorce issue. You know what I mean? This isn't like something that's going to crack your family. So right, it's right. it's annoying. Um, and I don't know what her issue is. I can I'll throw this out there, but I'm I certainly can't second guess what's in your wife's head. But I do have a friend who dated a girl for a while, and she was sort of a on-the-fence believer. And when she found out he was atheist, they would have discussions. And she got more and more, I guess, freaked out with the discussions as she started... When her faith started to crack, that's when (laughs) she got really, really emotionally flipped out. And so they're not going out anymore. And as far as... She's kind of similar as far as what does she believe? We don't know. Nobody knows, you know. But it might be that your wife's faith, especially since she hasn't manifested it in any real, you know, robust way, uh, that your wife's faith is sort of on the fence and that you being an atheist sort of challenges her in a way that makes her uncomfortable. And it's a possibility, but I don't know. Yeah, I think what John had already said, you know, just throwing out the A word right there uh, can certainly freak a lot of people out. And uh, yeah, we can't even say it. We keep calling it the A word. We're not allowed. It's... (laughs) The, the A word. The label which must not be named. Yeah, it's okay. it's. Uh, I can understand your frustration. I would just maybe yeah. suggest trying to draw her out on exactly what it is that she's having trouble with. <laughs> really, you would? Yeah. I would almost suggest just let sleeping dogs lie. Well, well here it, you go. You get two different. It depends, I guess, <laughs> how much of a problem this is for you and and your relationship, and that's something see, you can see. But I'm with John in that, in that I would love to to really know what yeah. she feels and she why she feels know. it. She may not know. I mean, she may not know. She just might be confused on the whole issue. But I did when I saw the two kids. I mean, my first thought was, oh, oh no, this is you know causing a rift because of the children. But I mean, sounds like the kids are on board, and that you know it is what it is. They're 12 and 14, and she hasn't started fights with you about how to raise the kids. And believe me, that puts you like a thousand times light years ahead of other people that contact us in theist atheist relationships with children, because a lot of times that's just constant battle. And it sounds like you guys at least are not at that level. Yeah. Yeah. 24 well, years, I, and, and you've got two atheist kids. I think you're doing something right. Okay. Well, thank you guys both. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry we weren't yeah. really useful. Yeah, good luck with that, yeah. though. Let us know. I appreciate your call. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Tracy. Sure. Thanks, John. See you. Thanks, Dan. And now we have to let this the control room call Joseph in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Joseph, I think, will be our last call. Yeah, that's the last one on the queue. And then we're going to dinner. And I, I want to, yeah, we're going to dinner at Threadgill's North, North Lamar. On North Lamar. You know, I, I can say that address again probably before they, let me, it's a race. I'm going to get the address before they queue us up. Can I do it? Oh, no, they put him on, and they didn't turn it blue. Okay, is this Joseph in Indianapolis? Yes, it Hello, is. Hello, Joseph, Hi, you're Joseph. on the air. 
Okay, hey, hey. hey. Uh, do I sound pretty clear? Is yeah, you sound yeah, fine. Sound great. Calls are great today. Cool, awesome. Um, so I'm going to just jump right into this. I don't want to waste too much time. Um, I am a uh, secular humanist atheist, so I don't have any challenges for you on the existence of God, unfortunately. That's okay. Um, but uh, even with that being the case, I still live with my, my grandparents uh, because – you know, living by yourself is really expensive, and I'm trying to not do that just hey, yet. We don't judge. So, um, with that being said, uh, because I live with them and because they are extremely devout um, when it comes to Christianity, I still go to church just to, um, you know, just kind of maintain the peace. Sure, you're I don't, appeasing I don't them. Want to, I have to live with them, so I don't sure. want to. Yeah, you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but... Even with that being the case, going to church is not fun for me. Okay. Um, so one thing that I do while I'm there to kind of pass the time is I write down every single argument Good. and every single uh, scripture and every citation from the Bible that the pastor uh, uh, cites or, you know, and I look for inconsistencies, leaps of logic, things mm -hmm. like that, just to kind of give me something to do. Yeah. And um, last week. Uh, it, there, we had a guest pastor there, but he said something and the feedback from, from it was, uh, kind of terrifying in a way, but, uh, I have the quote here, if I can read sure, it. Sure, go this. for it. Okay. Um, he says that, I believe that college professors actively try to undermine the faith of our believers and that their religious course, or I'm sorry, that these religious courses are a ticket to hell. Um, you know, I'm this kind of stuff is I, I used to be a Pentecostal Christian, so I mean this oh, isn't wow. foreign okay. to me. Right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, that's the fun line, I know. Um this stuff isn't foreign to me, but the the feedback that 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 I that I saw from that is what scared me because a lot of the people that were there were like really confident, you know, they were saying hallelujah and thank Amen. you and all that stuff and um it kind of it opened my eyes to to really how deep this kind of rhetoric goes because I know that that one church isn't the only church that that uh, supports that kind of of content. This has been happening for thousands of years, you know, sure. throughout all kinds of different denominations of Christianity. Um, but nevertheless, because I was in there and because I, you know, was was shaken up by that, I kind of feel like this this fire was sparked where I really, uh, as a humanist who cares about people and mankind in general, I really, really, really want to do something mm -hmm. to counter that. Um, Good. To, you know, to, to just kind of dismantle that, that, that willful ignorance because I think that it kind of stagnates intellectual achievements and things like that. Yes. But the, the problem is, is that what I want to do is tantamount to trying to dismantle Mount Everest with a pickaxe. And uh, I, I really don't know how to even begin doing this. You know, okay. like I just I guess I wanted some some guidance from you guys. OK, uh, you're as identifying to... as secular humanist, right? Yes. OK. And so are you a member of a secular humanist group? Um, not directly. I mean, there's some groups on like Facebook that okay. I'm part of, but not like I don't actually go to any. OK, no. you're in Indianapolis. That's not a small city. No, not at all. Right. So here's the thing, right? There's um, there's 
we all start out as people being dependent, right? Like we're born and we're completely dependent on someone else. And then as we get older, we develop into independent people, right? And so mm -hmm. you're at an age where you're an independent person. Yes, you have interactions with people with dependencies, like you talked about, you're living you know, with your grandparents and whatnot, but for the most part, you are an independent person. And when we work toward a goal as an independent person, we can be productive, but we can be far more productive when we become interdependent and we work with groups of people that have a common goal. So I think what you'll find is that right now you're saying, I'm sitting here and I see this mountain and I feel like I'm attacking it with this pickaxe, you know, and I, <laughs> like John Henry, you're going to blow your heart out, right? I mean, yeah. you can't take on the mountain alone and win. So what you need to do is connect with other people that are already working on initiatives, right? Because I guarantee you that in a city the size of Indianapolis, there are people that are already um, have some groups set up. And on the one, there's a couple things you can do with them. Once you get involved with them, you can assess what they are doing already. Like, what are their goals? So, for example, the Atheist Community of Austin, one of our missions is separation of church and state. So we're very supportive of groups like Texas Freedom Network that police um, the school system to try to make sure that uh, the, the conservative right agendas don't get into our schools. And we're not as effective necessarily as we could be because a lot of that is, did get in. But... Uh, the point is there are groups working towards these things. So mm -hmm. when you start to find out what's in your area, I would start Googling like for your local area, like humanist, free thought, um, you know, atheist, agnostic, uh, just whatever words of sex, secular or um, skeptic, yeah. right? That's another term. And there are groups that use all these labels and there are groups that would probably be sympathetic to the cause that you're talking about. If you go into those groups, number one, they may have already initiatives that you identify with and that, you, that resonate with you that you can then participate in and become active in. But if they don't have something like that, you may have at that point a group of people that you can mobilize toward this thing. So you can then say, look, I really like your group. I think you're a great group of people. I think we could, I could work with this group. What I'm interested in seeing is a counter anti-intellectualism, right? Like I'm very dis dis disturbed by the anti-intellectualism that I'm seeing in these churches. That's what resonates with me. That's what I would like to confront. And I'd like to see if I can start up maybe a group for that. And here's some ideas for initiatives. Or maybe you could meet with the group and say, does anybody have ideas for things that we can mm -hmm. do to counter this? But once you get in there and you start getting with other people, that's when you become even more empowered because you get other ideas, other brains working toward the same goal, and it's not just you. And suddenly it's, it's five or six pickaxes, right, working on the mountain. Right. And then you call a group that's down the road that has a similar interest that's for education and science, you know, like, um, what is this? Is there CSI or what's the group? Uh, uh, CFI, the Center for Inquiry? You know, you've got these groups. Secular that, Student Alliance. Yeah, Secular Student Alliance. There's all these groups that you can then maybe get to participate in. Pretty soon you've got 100 pickaxes working on this thing. And then right. you've got outreach into other cities and other communities where you can coordinate. But the first step is to get with that group of people that you feel like you can work with and start thinking about, you know, exactly what it is that bugs you. And taking the notes is a great idea. It sounds like this is something that you've been, you know, thinking about in a in a very focused way for a while. So think yeah. about what, what would you like to do to what, and instead of how do I dismantle this, what kind of things could you promote that would counter this? 
right? Like, like for example, if right. I don't like the right-wing agenda that's promoted in the science classrooms to sort of go after evolution, maybe I need to be promoting like a science agenda. Maybe I need to start working with groups that deal in the sciences in my area and start you know, lectures or community awareness raising on the, the point of, like, what is evolution and um, how, uh, how science is under attack. Like, get that information. Get somebody from Texas Freedom Network to come and talk, you know, at a local right. group in Indianapolis about what they deal with there and how this, you know, has national impact. I mean, you can do these things, and it's much easier to do them when you have the resource of a group at your disposal as opposed to just yourself. Right. Does that help? Um, yeah, it really does help, and I, I don't know how I didn't even think about that. Well, um, thanks for there, calling. <laughs> I'm glad you called. Then. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, there, there's still. I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to like make an excuse for why I shouldn't do this or anything like that. Because more than likely, I'm going to do it. Um, but the reality of the situation is uh, that I can say both from observation and from experience as as a Pentecostal Christian mm-hmm. um, that. The I don't even want to limit this to preachers because the Bible itself kind of reinforces this too. Like you have First Corinthians uh, chapter one eighteen through twenty one from Paul. Like uh, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and things sure. like that. Don't use your um, mind. That'll just mess you up. It's really well seated in the yeah. theology. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. Like I, I I am going to try because I do feel obligated to in a way as a humanist to uh to do what's best for or you know to do what i think is best for for everyone mm-hmm. um but it's like the moment you start to gain a voice and you start to uh raise criticisms about you know christianity specifically it doesn't even matter if you don't attack anybody like if you don't say anything bad about anybody and just limit your arguments to the bible itself there will be millions of people who um, just immediately, by virtue of the fact that you are not a Christian, reject everything that you say. They won't even they won't even allow themselves to be open to uh, to to criticisms for what they want to believe. And like I said, I can sure. say this from experience. No, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you because I know exactly what you're talking about. That everything that comes out of your mouth is just Satan. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I just want to sin and I want to make the world. Yeah. Uh, You've been deceived, and and what you have to say doesn't matter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So is it just kind of like you just ride out the storm and and hope that eventually something sticks? or? Well, you can't always change what's in someone else's head. I mean, if this is about, you know, deconverting, but that's kind of why I was recommending what I was recommending. You know, if you're you're against intellectualism, then I would say rather than going and fighting head-to-head with people that are anti-intellectuals, because that's, like you say, somebody that's saying they don't trust reason, uh, you already got a, a road to hoe there with trying to convince them that you're right by using reason. So I would say rather than go and try to have productive conversations with people that reject reason, you do to promote intellectualism, like promote learning, promote critical thinking. That's the, the way to go bolster these things and reach out to people in the community to help encourage the things that are positive that are not uh, aligned, I guess, to the anti-intellectualism. The, the more we can marginalize these dangerous perspectives of, for example, don't reason. Uh, reason's a dangerous, deadly, poisonous thing. I mean, I, that's a toxic view in itself. 
And so when you're trying to combat that, you're not going to make too much headway trying to reason with that person that's promoting that, but you can make some headway in promoting reason and promoting critical thinking and promoting intellectualism outside that community to the point that you marginalize you know, it's like, fine, then we'll have this little, you know, Westboro Baptist Church can sit there with their 20 members and, you know, pick at the funerals, whatever they're going to do. But we're certainly not going to grow with that doctrine. And so that's kind of what I think we need to do. We may not be able to change what is in most cases when it comes to something like this, but we can certainly change the environment to make sure that this thing doesn't grow. And that's what's important. Okay. That That is... Perfect, Tracy. You're on it. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, that yeah, that, I'm definitely gonna take that into uh, into consideration and do what I can to make that happen because I, I, you know, I've said this a bunch of times already before, but I, I really care about mankind and, and people in general. So I, I'm gonna do what I can to make sure that, you know, we were okay. Even though I'm just one person, I know that my influence yeah. is pretty limited in yeah. the grand that's scheme why, of things. That's why you get with other people. And, and you do yeah, what you exactly, and you do exactly. what you can. That's why you're right. So, you you do what you can, um, and and you know, and and you'll make a difference, yeah. little by little. So go yeah. do it. Call us again in a year and tell me what you're working on. <laughs> All right, we'll All right. do. Thank okay, you. thank you, Joseph. Uh, thanks, Joseph. All right. All right. And Joseph was our last caller, and so we're heading down to six four one six North Lamar for Threadgills um, to go and meet everybody. And we're gonna be there a little bit late because ten after six, and I think we were supposed to be there at six p.m. is what we promoted. But hey, you got a good long show out of it. We did some in-depth calls, and I hope yeah. that they weren't you know too boring or went too long. I know I'm not like normally hosting, but You're did awesome my host. best. So deal. Thanks to the great crew for all the everything <laughs> they do behind yes. the scenes. And for staying late. And for staying late. Because I can't time things. And we'll see you all at Thread Guilds. All right. Bye-bye, guys. <laughs>